You are listening to Right Off the Bus. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 14 of Right Off the Bus here with my fantastic co-host, Pat Mahoney. I'm Chandler Hutchison, as you know, and we're excited for episode 14. we got a lot going on this week, as always, Pat. There's still NFL movement. There's trades and signings. The NBA trade deadline just passed, so there was some craziness there, some big names moving. The buyout market favored, it seemed, only the Nets and Lakers, which we're definitely going to dive into later. And obviously, man, UFC 260 and Ganu Miocic, what a fight night that was, Pat. I can't wait to uh, hear what you have to say about that. But, man, before we get into it, I'm just excited about the trade deadline passing and the buyout market starting. I say it every year, Pat. The trade deadline is one of my favorite days of the year. It's like Christmas, man. It's like a holiday because just the amount of craziness in a sport that I love so much is just it, it's the best day of the year in the NBA mm-hmm. for me as a fan. I just love the craziness. I love all the Jersey swaps. I love the horrible Twitter edits from all the people wanting Victor Oladipo on their team and one of these other guys. So I was super pumped about that, man. I can't wait to talk about that. Was, NBA was pretty nuts this week. Yeah. And I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of like every trade deadline. Cause like the mm. MLB ones on my birthday. So every July 31st. So every year it was like, who's going to get traded. And it was always my birthday. Some years it didn't work out. Cause it was like a Red Sox player. Like I remember uh, <laughs> Manny, I was at baseball camp one year and Manny Ramirez got traded on Aww. my birthday. And I was uh, so upset. Cause he was one of my favorite players, but yeah, it, that's baseball. But for the NBA, uh, I'm always excited. NFL, same thing, but yeah, um, I can't wait to get into it. I will never, ever forget just one moment for Manny Ramirez. There's a lot. There's a lot. But I will never, ever forget while he's playing left field. He sprints in to be the cutoff man, and he cuts off the cutoff man who's in the outfield. <laughs> he dives and catches in and throws it, and everyone's yeah, like, a, Manny, what are you doing, bro? It's a classic Manny. He just he did his own thing. I guess at some point that's why he had to go. Fun fact, when he started playing in Japan, uh, professionally, like when he was like 39 or 40 or whatever, part of his um, contract was that they gave him a Mercedes and a driver to just drive him around. And he had like a, like restaurant vouchers, like as part of his contract that they had to like pay for his meals and stuff, just because man, he's man, he's crazy. But yeah, they wanted them to go there. They gave him whatever he wanted. Right. And Pat, last thing, man, before we dive into it, I know we've been talking about dogs these past couple of weeks, man, but more dogs just keep entering my life. I don't know what it is. My brother, Chris, and his girlfriend, Marissa, live five minutes from me, been together six years. They said, all right, time to get a dog, man, because one of my other brother's girlfriends got one. Mine got one. Dude, and now, Pat, unfortunately, it's a Chihuahua. Oh, it's no. A, it's a Chihuahua and wiener dog. And you could tell in Chris's They make voice, those? <laughs> right, right. You can, you can get what one. What is that? <laughs> Chihuahua and weenie, bro. Yeah, it's they they had like a FaceTime home visit with uh with the foster parent, and they were like, Do you have a lot of stairs? Because this dog can't do stairs, like its legs are like this big, like it's so tiny. <laughs> oh no, it's eight pounds. They expect it to max at 15. But hey man, they're excited. You could tell in Christian's voice a little bit that uh he was settling for, for the dog a little bit, but <laughs> hey. But hey, he's happy about it, man. They're getting a dog, and uh, you know it's just going to be one more dog for me to help take care of, I guess. So, <laughs> so that's, and is that's... uh 
And is your girlfriend's dog growing? Is that uh, what's going yeah, on with that Willa. thing? Because I know you said it's not the breed that she expected. No, man, its legs are getting a little longer, and its tail got a little bit longer. I think, and I and it was like four or five days since I had seen it. And also this morning, I like I kept joking saying that its ears were gonna perk, like it was like a shepherd or something. And like, she was like, nah, there's no way. And this morning, like the ears went from just sitting on the side to being like that little overhang, you know, where they just kind of like sit and hang over a little bit. So they're Mm -hmm. like starting to go up. They're starting to perk. I don't know if they're going to go any farther, but uh, we're going to see what happens, man. I have no idea what that dog is. (laughs) Yeah, we'll be back with updates if anyone cares. (laughs) There's going to be weekly updates on Willow, man, because (laughs) that dog is growing. But Pat, I don't know if you want to uh, say anything else or just start getting into some of these uh, headlines that we want to touch on real quick. No, we're ready to get into it. Uh, the first one, just a quick one. Then Oral Roberts, we had to see you go. 15 mm-hmm. seed, though, making it to the Sweet 16. Uh, that was nice. But it was a tough way to go out because they really could have made it to the Elite Eight. They only lost to Arkansas by two points. I think it was 72 to 70. And Arkansas is a good team. I mean, they just uh, put up a fight in the Elite Eight, too. So that could have been Oral Roberts. I don't know that they would have made it past uh I forget who they just played, but I don't know who they or I don't know if they would have made it past the Elite Eight to the final four. That's a stretch. But sad to see them go. We always root for the upsets. And now the only upsets left to go, uh, possibility UCLA over Michigan. That's the eleven over the one. And then USC and Gonzaga. So Michigan and Gonzaga, two of the best teams in the country. So kind of tough. I would expect that Gonzaga and Michigan will probably win. The favorites will probably make it, but you never know. I think USC is going to give Gonzaga a tough game, and UCLA could pull the upset because for some reason I just never trust Michigan. I never trust Michigan like in any sport, especially you know football. Even though Jim Harbaugh's <laughs> there, it's like I don't I don't think they've beaten Ohio State since Jim's been there. But nonetheless, in any sport, I don't trust Michigan. So you, both the California teams got a shot. So we could see a Final Four where it's the two California teams and then the two uh, Texas teams because Houston and Baylor already made it as of last night when we're recording this. So I'm excited to see tonight what co- uh, what happens and we'll know when this podcast releases. Yeah, absolutely, man. And uh, with Gonzaga, I hope that they lose. They always kind of lose at this time. They never make it that that far. But I've said it before. I think Gonzaga is winning the whole thing this year just because of the unique circumstances with with the bracket and with COVID and everything else like that. I think Gonzaga's primed to win it. But man, I'd love to see USC get that upset. And I'd love even more the UCLA upset. I mean, if uh, if an 11 seed was able to get up there, man, it'd be it'd be a lot mm-hmm. of fun to watch. And you don't see the low seeds get there ever. You know, there's a reason why seven of the last eight champions have been one seeds and things like that. So so we're yeah, going to have to wait and see. Gonzaga is a team I never trust either. And I think a lot of people don't just because of their strength of schedule throughout the year. Like I forget mm-hmm. what the name of their conference is, but I think the best team they play all year is like they play like St. Mary's who's always decent. I don't think they were this year, but then St. Mary's I, is like I, their biggest rival, which is, I want to say <laughs> maybe Creighton is in their division. I, I would have to go look, but I'm pretty or uh, their conference rather in college. But I think it's Creighton and St. Mary's. I'm not positive, but again, is that like, like the Mountain t- West or something. I don't something know. like that. Yeah. Regardless, they don't Mountain play West. anyone. They don't play anyone. That's another thing. So, that's like, the, problem. the two one seeds left, you know, there is a chance of an upset just because Michigan, I never trust, and Gonzaga, I never trust. Like you said, this time of the tournament, it seems like Gonzaga is always a one or two, but they always lose. They never make it. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens. <laughs> and Pat, man, a team that really needed a win. That really needed a win that finally got one. You want to yeah. touch on those Houston Rockets? 
Yeah, no, no update on the uh, <laughs> consecutive losses this week. So the Rockets were at 20. And then I think I mentioned last week going into, I was like, oh, they're going to play the Raptors uh, the night we were recording last week. And, I, you know, were, I think the Raptors were like 18 and 25 at the time. And I was like, well, if you start losing games like this every time, you know, that's a yeah. question of is it time to get rid of the coach as well and just do a total reset? But uh, alas, the Rockets won. They snapped the 20 game losing streak against the Raptors. I don't know what they've done since, if they've gone back to losing or if they've won any more games, I'll have to look at that. But yeah, congrats to the Rockets. Good to see them get a win. I don't think it matters much at this point in the season. I think at this point, you're just fighting not to be the worst team in the entire league because it's them, the Timberwolves, and then I can't. I want to say the Wizards are down there too. You knew where I was going, the last in the East. I can't remember who the worst team in the East is. One thing that I think is good though is that we're probably not going to talk about the Rockets again for the rest of the season. And yeah, that's probably like not. a good thing for them because now that they're losing streaks over, there's nothing left to talk about. Like they're not winning, but at least they're not shown on Sports Center every day saying 18 consecutive games and 19 consecutive yeah, games. Yeah, like, so you don't have that any was reason the media they got. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, the counter can stop. There's there's no reason for them to make headlines. I think they'll do better for themselves flying under the radar. Without a doubt, man. Without a doubt. And Pat, last last headline, man. Little NFL rule change. I don't know how I feel about it, man. Yeah, this was a big one. And a lot of NFL players voiced their concerns on like Twitter too, especially Alvin Kamara. But so the NFL is expected to expand to a 17 game season starting this season for 2021. And then uh, really, it's not so much adding a game, but they're just getting rid of a preseason game and making it a regular season game. So It'll be a 17-game season, and then preseason would go. Uh, it would go from four to three. So it's not official yet, but it's expected to pass. The owners are going to vote Tuesday and Wednesday. So Wednesday uh, should be finalized when this episode releases. So it's it's good for owners and it's good for teams in terms of revenue, but it's it's really controversial. And you'll see just if you go to any NFL players Twitter, <laughs> I'd love to know what Pat Ricard thinks about it. But it's good for more football, good for fantasy, good for red zone. But that's not really the important thing. It affects a lot of things, including player health, because preseason, a lot of the starters aren't playing. People aren't going 100%. But now you've added the game where it's just another chance for injury. It's just another chance for fatigue. So I'm curious to see how it'll play out and affect the NFL players. And another thing it's going to have a big effect on is record books and like how records are written. Because I think it said since 1978, it's been a 16-game season. So you think about all the records that have happened in that time frame between like Calvin Johnson, Jerry Rice, all the big names. And now it's now players are going to have an extra game to get more yards, more touchdowns, more receptions, more everything. So it's like it's going to I know this happens in every sport, but it's going to be weird going forward, like in the next 20 years about if someone let's say someone passes uh, the all-time receiving yard season, but they had an extra game to do it. It's like, what's the validity of that record, you know? I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And that was my biggest thing. I'm glad you brought that up is the record books. Like you said, since 78, it moved from a 14 to a 16 game season. So now Mm -hmm. already the NBA, NBA, the NFL prior to 78, it's, it's a different NFL, man. Dan, like, all those guys playing back then, Johnny Unitas, all these great players were playing 14 game schedules. So the record books are just totally, totally different. And I think about Patrick Mahomes having an extra game to throw another 400 yards 
and Michael Thomas getting an extra 15 catches on top of an already record-breaking season. And mm-hmm. Derrick Henry gets another three touchdowns against a defense that's resting because they're trying to make the playoffs. And, you know, that are the Titans are trying to make it. It's I don't love it, man. And I think it was Blake Martinez, the linebacker for the pack that uh, I saw him like on this Instagram post, how you can see a couple like famous people's comments, you know, when you're scrolling mm-hmm. and he tagged Darius Leonard, Bobby Wagner, and another great linebacker. I forget who it was and said 200 tackles question mark. Like <laughs> these guys are going to have different goals now, but also, it's like, like you said, the preseason is a time to get healthy, figure out the offense, get players to make the team. You want more time for that. And you want to rest your guys for longer before the season. I don't want a player playing an extra game, a 17th week in a row, and then getting hurt going into the playoffs mm-hmm. and playing against a bad defense or, you know, one that's resting it. I don't know. I don't, I don't love it. I don't love it. And I'm kind of with a lot of the players saying like, well, we know exactly why they're doing this. It's all yeah, just money. I- Exactly. As a fan, like we might end up liking it just because it's more football. But when you really think about it, like, is it the best thing for the sport? I don't know. I think as fans, we just we come to like not like change. We get used Mm -hmm. to a certain way of things, especially, you know, people have been watching the NFL for like 40 years. Like, you know, our parents, they've probably come (laughs) to know it a certain way. And we're young, so we can probably adapt to the change a little easier. But still, at the same time. I, I don't know. I know, again, all sports go through this. Like the NBA at one point switched to an 82-game season. You know, it, it changes over time in every sport. I'm sure soccer did, uh, any sport really, NHL. So I, th- I think eventually we'll get used to it, but it's it's going to have a lasting effect. You know, when you said people have been watching it for 40 years and don't like the change, I just immediately thought of my dad, man, who's 59. And let me tell you, every Sunday when I'm watching football, there is at least one, two, three touchdowns in a game or in, you know, a different game where my dad's, oh, that's not a touchdown. What happened to having to be in the end zone? Because you see a guy dive out of bounds and like just reach for the pylon, even though his entire six foot body is out of bounds. And he's like, he wasn't even in the end zone. He didn't touch the end zone. He smacked the tip of the pylon with it. That's not a touchdown. What about the ball being in the end zone? What about the play? So yeah, man, it's, it's people do not like the change. But hopefully, hopefully with something like this, we just like as a football fan, I'm still going to be watching a 17th week of football. I'm still going to be talking about it. I'm still going to yeah, enjoy we'll still it. be so, watching. So we're like, hey, uh, we don't like it, but the players are still going to play and we're still going to watch. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> how it is. That's how it is at the end of the day. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I'm, I'm interested to see the injuries and the stats. And I'm, I'm a huge mm-hmm. stat nerd, as you know, so I'm excited to, to see all the elevated stats and extra touchdowns. And, <laughs> you know, you see cornerbacks top out at eight picks and they lead the league. Could someone get to nine or 10? We'll see. Who knows? The sack mm-hmm. numbers. Could someone break the single season with an extra game? Well, who knows? Who yeah, knows? it's definitely a possibility where it's, it's again, it's going to be a, a change that we see probably over the next five to 10 years. If mm-hmm. those single season records get broken. That's true. That's true, Pat. Now, time to get into the real football, Pat, as if we weren't already talking, but time for our segment, Huddle Up. We got plenty of NFL headlines to talk about, as always. We're going to go through these a little bit quicker than normal because, you know, it's that like third, fourth wave of free agency. So the signings aren't quite as sexy, but they're still fun to talk about. And <laughs> that, you know, not, the- <laughs> not as exciting anymore. No, no, not at all. But this first one that we're going to talk about was kind of a big deal. And this, this has some. NFL landscape changing potential right here. So the Dolphins had the third pick from some old trades with uh, Houston and Laramie Tunsil and some of those things going on. So the Dolphins traded the number three pick to the 49ers for the 12th pick 
a first and third in 2022 and a first round in 2023. So Miami's wheeling and dealing, but then they take that 12th pick. They just traded and combine it with the one with the 123rd pick and a 2022 first pick and send it to the Eagles for the six. So they move back up six spots. Now, what does that tell me that they're getting one of those elite wide receivers or or Pitts, man, Kyle Pitts from uh, Florida, the tight end. Mm-hmm. That tells me that they said, we're trusting Tua, and we just want to accumulate as many picks as we can, which they did. They have, Dude, if you look at the picks they have, just in the first three rounds for the next three years, they have like nine picks a draft in the first three rounds or something. It's absurd. But you, you said, all right, we're buying into Tua. We were 10 and six. We have a solid team, solid defense, and we're just going to put talent everywhere. Draft, 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 and in five years... Tua is going to have 25 top three round draft picks playing on his team. And mm-hmm. maybe they go get, you know, one of those top receivers, man. Maybe, maybe they'll go get the Heisman winning Devonta. Why am I blanking on his name? Is it Smith? Devonta Smith, the wide receiver. Yeah. Why am yep. I totally, okay. I was like, why no, do yeah, I you not, got it. It's like, why do I not trust that? I don't, why do I not trust that? I don't know. But I mean, there's, there's a million ways you could go with this pick. I just love that the Dolphins said, let's do it. Let's build around Tua. We trust in him. I can only imagine the confidence that that instills in a young quarterback trying to take over the reins on this team. And then you look at the 49ers. I was very surprised that the 49ers did this. They have to be taking a quarterback, right? This is the most quarterback important draft that we've had in years. They're, they're expecting quarterbacks to be the first four picks in the draft maybe even mm-hmm. five so who do they take at three is it zach wilson is it justin fields is it one of those guys and then do they sit behind jimmy do you end up moving jimmy eventually john lynch is and shanahan have said jimmy's our guy i'm i'm interested to see what happens with the 49ers that's that's very interesting what what, what did you think about this trade pat yeah i think they've said like jimmy gives them the best chance now. So I'm curious really if they will take a quarterback. I don't know if they might just on a whim, but if they moved up, they definitely have their eye on somebody and they thought that someone was going to get taken before they were able to pick them. So them moving up, they're going to get someone that they needed. I, I think a receiver or just someone to like round out the positions they need. Someone's going to round out either the defensive line or the offensive line, maybe something like that. Maybe they'll get that guy from Notre Dame. Uh, what's his name? Jeremiah. Uh, he's got a really long name. He's a, He'd be a good pickup. I don't know when he'll go. But I think moving up, I don't know if it was a mistake, but they did get rid of a lot to be able to do it. So much. Yeah, they, they got rid of a lot. That's draft capital, Pat. That has to be – do you give mm-hmm. that up for any other position? You can't. 12th the draft, first and third in 2022, and first in 23? three firsts and a third that yeah for now it doesn't make much sense like it, it's only going to make sense i think come draft night really what they're going to do and i guess we'll see if it was worth it or not like as of now i really don't know if it was worth it or why they did it or if it makes sense i guess we'll find out at the time what i do know though is that it definitely made sense for the dolphins i mean you look what mm. you mentioned it what they have for 2021 2022 2023 for the draft to come and with like you said they went 10 and 6 last season and then who they have? They have Tua, running back Miles Gaskin, who overachieved last season. He could again. They already have Devontae Parker. They just got Will Fuller, who once he's suspended is going to be great to have. They have Mike Gesicki. So their offense is pretty nice. And if they can round out the other positions they need, maybe look at a different running back besides Miles Gaskin. I don't know what they'll focus on. But they maybe focus on the defense. The defense played pretty well last season. But if they can just round out those uh, – 
those uh, like under the radar positions, you know, that we don't always talk about. You don't see in the stats because for big names, like they have the big names you need. If Will Fuller can stay healthy and once he's off suspension, that's a great pickup at receiver. They have a great one, two with Devontae Parker and Will Fuller. Like that's, that's nasty. And then you have Mike Isicki, who is a great vertical threat for a tight end as well. So I'm, I'm excited to see where the Dolphins are going in the next three, four, five seasons because they have a lot of assets that be, could be coming their way. Without a doubt. And that's the thing. The draft capital is just there. Like they are set for years to come. You think about those teams that are like, we don't have a first round pick for the next three, four years. And I'm like, oh, that's 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 not what you're looking to have, man. But uh, no, this team tough. has it all. This team has it all. And you're in Miami, man. Any player that gets drafted is enjoying that they're coming to a winning team with a young quarterback in Miami. No one's going to complain about that. <laughs> no one's yeah, not a bad place that. to be playing. Nope, not at all. And Pat, I know you were thinking too about the AFC East a little bit. You think that this may this may bring the Dolphins into contention for the next like five, six, seven years, you were thinking? I don't know. And that's the thing. It could be. like We know the Bills are going to be good if they keep all their assets, like Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen. Mm. If last season was any, any indication of what we can expect, they're going to be running the AFC East. But with the Dolphins and the assets they could be bringing in, it depends how they draft and how draft picks work out. But the Dolphins could be or they could give them a run for their money. And I do think the AFC East is going to be a Bills Dolphins division for some time. Like the next five to 10 years could be Bills Dolphins. It's all on Tua's back, right? Let's see what Tua does. Can he outplay? Yeah, it's, it's always on the magic. quarterback, right? <laughs> it, it, yeah, that's the thing. It's always on the quarterback play because you could have every asset you need. But if you have, you know, like the Vikings, you have Kirk Cousins at quarterback. It's like, I love Kirk, but the Vikings aren't going to get anything done with him at quarterback. I couldn't so that's agree. just for example. I couldn't agree more. I still think he's one of the most overrated players ever. He's like he's like the second biggest free agent ever at quarterback because quarterbacks don't get to free agency other than Peyton Manning at like 38 years old or whatever he was when he left for mm-hmm. So yeah, Kurt Kurt was definitely way overpaid. Pat, next one, man. Hallelujah, praise be. The Ravens signed a wide receiver, and I know you weren't super excited about it because, you know, you said he was maybe your sixth or seventh option as a wide receiver <laughs> in free agency. But Sammy Watkins, one year, six mil, man. How you feeling? Yeah, it was salty at first, but like as I've sat on it and the more I think about it, like the more I like the pickup because it's only one year. It's six million dollars. So it's not a long commitment, which is great for us because we can see how it plays out. But Watkins, I mean, he was a stud when he played in Buffalo and then he went to the Chiefs and the Chiefs barely used him because you just have so many other weapons between Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey and whoever else. They got all the other guys there. They have a nasty receiving core. So the Chiefs really aren't missing anything losing out on Watkins, but the Ravens gain a lot because we got a guy who's six one compared to five nine Marquise Brown. If we pair, I'd say put Marquise like he, he can be deep threat, but also maybe in the slot. Watkins good deep threat as well so Lamar has just another target to throw to and then we have uh, I believe 6-4 Miles Boykin and Boykin could develop this season it could be a guy that develops we have Mark Andrews so it's a really good pickup for the Ravens and if he plays out maybe they want to re-sign him and I'm sure if everything goes well Watkins would want to keep playing with them so I, I, I think the short-term deal if we had gotten him for two years it wouldn't have been bad but I think one year was perfect 
Yeah, it's kind of like a nice little trial period, right? See how you fit in this offense. Let's see if you still have that number one, two potential after being a number three and four in Kansas City for the past couple of years. And it gives you that vertical threat. It gives you that deep threat, man. Go up and get a ball. And Mark Andrews is obviously a big physical guy, but he's not the vertical threat. He doesn't have the speed that Sammy Watkins does. So I'm excited to see how Lamar uses him and Greg Roman, all those guys. It's going to be it's going to be fun to see Sammy Watkins play in this offense. I think it gives you a nice little boost and not quite the receiver you wanted, Pat, but uh, it's certainly better than a lot of options. I look at, I look at the Pat signing Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar. And I'm like, are those guys better than Sammy Watkins? Yeah. See, I would have been upset if like those were the guys we got as much (laughs) as those are quality receivers and they are going to help the Patriots. I'm happy that we got someone with actually a name and someone I know can perform. And if you think about it, like he only, we we improved the offense only. We had Willie Sneed last year, moved on from him. He uh, His contract was up, and he moved on to the Raiders, and we just replaced him with Sammy Watkins. So it's an it, upgrade. It gives, it, yeah, it's an upgrade in terms of height, in terms of, I think, just dynamic ability. Yeah, it gives Lamar a good option. And you mentioned that um, Willie Sneed, one-year deal with the Raiders, man. I was kind of thinking about this as Derek Carr. Kind of like like we were thinking about it as Lamar. It's kind of like, really, really? It took you weeks to sign a good receiver, and this is it. You know, like Willie Sneed's solid, but is Willie Sneed bringing the Raiders to the playoffs? No. Like this team hasn't done enough to improve yet this offseason. They've lost a bunch of guys, and I don't know. I, I love John Gruden. I, I wish he was uh, still doing John Gruden's quarterback camp because those are the best 30-minute uh, football clips that there are. But I don't know. I don't see this move changing much for the Raiders. It's kind of like, oh, you add a number three receiver to your team. You know, it's it's Yeah, they nice lost. Uh, Tyra Williams was hurt most of last season, but I would have mm-hmm. loved to see if they could have held on to him and what he could have done for them this season. I believe he's going to the Lions. Lions, yep. Yep. But, yeah, so now they have Henry Ruggs. Willie Sneed. Henry Ruggs could be a breakout player this year, so I'm excited to see him. They added Willie Sneed. Darren Waller is going to be a mainstay again. They're going to be feeding Darren Waller and Henry Ruggs. I mean, they're going to have to. Like you said, besides Willie Sneed, I think Hunter Renfro is another guy they have. So, yeah, I I feel bad. I mean, Derek Carr, Mariota, we'll see what they can do there. It's it's not a huge firepower offense. But uh, they also have Josh Jacobs still. It's going to be like the same consistent offense they've had. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be amazing. It's like a mid-tier offense. So they didn't really improve, but they I don't think they declined either. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this team can still be eight and eight, nine and seven. No, I, you know, I got we got to start saying the records like with seventeen games, Pat. Like our predictions now oh, have to be I don't ten like and that. seven and nine. I don't and like eight. that at all. Yeah. No, because we always think like. Eight and eight, nine and seven. Like now, it's gonna be like, oh, I I hate that. Dude, I'm, I'm so, the... Again, it's like we don't like change. Like I don't <laughs> I don't like that at all. We're like we have to change one number. What we have to think? It's for gonna throw second? everything off. It's yeah, dude. And now it. when I make fun of the Cowboys, I can't say eight and eight, eight and eight, eight and eight. I have to say eight and nine, eight and nine, eight and nine, eight nine, seven nine and eight, nine and eight, seven and ten. I hate that. Yeah. Anyways, Pat and I are being dramatic. Let's keep going with the football. We got Leonard Fournette back to the Bucks, Pat, man. The boys are back. I'm not surprised by this. I kind of thought he was going to get a big payday. Dude, he's so young. He's like 25, 26, Super mm-hmm. Bowl champ, big bruiser. But he said, yeah, me and Tom got to win another one down in Tampa, man. One year, 3.25 mil. I, I really like this move from Leonard Fournette. You don't see young Pro Bowl level talent signing team-friendly deals you don't and Leonard said I want to win 
Tom, mm-hmm. Tom brought us to the promised land with Bruce Arians and everybody else. I want to win. I'm staying with Tom in Tampa Bay. I like it. I like it from Fournette. I think that the Bucks are the favorite for next season. We talked about it the past couple weeks. Shout out Fournette for taking a team friendly. I'm just kind of surprised. And I'm like, oh, this is nice and new and fresh because this doesn't happen. Yeah. And he'll kind of bet on himself this season. I think it's mm-hmm. smart. Like he wants to get another ring. He knows, obviously, Tom Tom and everyone else stayed. I mean, Mike Evans took a pay cut so everyone could stay. Right. So I think in his mind, it's like everyone's staying. Why am I not going to stay at least one more year? So I think he'll do this year. I think he'll bet on himself. I think he's going to have a really good year. I really do. I think he's going to play phenomenally. I think he's going to be a great asset for Brady and the entire team. And I think after this year, I think he'll move on from the Bucks. Or if he doesn't, he's going to get a big payday from either the Bucks or somebody else. I, somebody's going to pay that man. It, it's a definite in my eyes. Unless he gets injured, you know, by some miracle of God, if something happens. But Frenette's going to be – he's going to be a big player in free agency next year. Yeah, we're going to be talking about them same time on this podcast, Pat. I mean, right off the bus, episode 61. I can't wait. It's going to be exciting yep. talking about NFL free agency. But, <laughs> All uh... over again. <laughs> Hey man, right back at it. That's, that's what it is. Yeah. And um, the last thing that I was going to say about Fournette real quick is that he was only in that offense for one year. You know, Mm -hmm. it's significant when you're in the same offense for four or five years at a time, Fournette's going to get better. Like you said, you're looking for a big season from him. I think he's going to have an even better season than he did this year. It's going to be fun to watch him and Man, I don't want to play the Bucs. Uh, the Patriots are playing the Bucs this year, so we're, we're going to see what happens there. Um, I don't know if it's going to be pretty, but who knows? Tom, uh, Tom versus Belichick, man. That's going to be a week of drama. I can't wait. And, like, what is their division? I mean, they have the Saints who are falling apart at the seams. It's like <laughs> they're not going to be doing yeah. anything. feel bad for my buddy who's a Saints fan. But then Panthers, uh, are... Panthers are probably not going to be much again. And then uh, who's the last team? Is it Falcons? Falcons. Okay. And the Falcons yeah. are, it's the Bucks. I mean, it's the, the Falcons underachieve everyone. the Falcons underachieve every season. Like the Bucks might sweep that entire division, to be honest. It, it's, it's going to be a tough year in the NFC South. 14 and two Matt Ryan winning MVP and then losing in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we, we don't mess with the Falcons like that. 28 <laughs> to three, baby. You see Brady the other day on Instagram posted, um, happy 328. And it was in the picture in the Super Bowl, and he tagged David Andrews, James White, Edelman. <laughs> it's just like this dude's a troll, man. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, let, let those Atlanta fans rest it off. I mean, they don't want to hear about it anymore. I don't uh, want to hear about it anymore. We can right, move on. Right, man. The birds got to stay together, man. I'm, I'm with you, man. Last couple moves, Pat. Pat Peterson, one year, 10 mil with the Vikings, which I kind of feel like is a lot of money for Pat Peterson at this stage in his career. Mm-hmm. And then that is Malcolm lot. Butler signs a one-year deal with the cards to kind of replace Pat Peterson, man. And I was thinking to myself, we talked about it as the Cardinals as kind of a sneaky free agency winner so far. I was thinking, man, if Malcolm Butler joined this team and Pat Pete came back for half that money, that defense, man, was going to be scary. Buda Baker, JJ Watt, Chandler Jones, Butler. Imagine if Pat Pete was back there too. They have a lot of really fantastic players. I think that the Cardinals have been really, really good in free agency this year. I don't quite know if Pat Peterson to the Vikings makes them better. He's certainly going to be, you know, maybe their number two corner. But I was kind of hoping he would remain with the Vic- uh, with the Cardinals. He's been with the Cardinals through trade rumor and trade rumor and free agency rumor over and over again. But 
Malcolm Butler there to replace him. This Cardinals defense is going to be pretty decent. This car, yeah, yeah I'm, Malcolm I'm looking Butler's forward to watching great. them. Yeah, and you save cap, cap room and add Malcolm Butler too. I, I think that was a great move for the Cardinals. And again, they are going to be sneaky good. That's I if they can perform the way we know they can, they're going to be a great team this year in a wide open division. Larry Fitz has to come back, bro. Come on. One more you, year, Larry. You have DeAndre Hopkins and AJ Green, Larry. Come back for one more. Oh, oh, that Larry's receiving core would be crazy. One of the most underrated players of all time. More career tackles than drops. Like the guy is just unbelievable. He really is. Shout out Larry Fitzgerald. But Pat, last one before we move on to some basketball. Mercedes Lewis, dude. I, I like read this headline and I knew he was still in the league, but I was kind of like, Mercedes Lewis has been in the league for 15 years. I feel Long like Long time. Who was that? Who was the old Jags quarterback? Like Gerard or something? David Gerard. Like this is like 2006. Yeah. And I was like, I feel like Mercedes Lewis was on this team. Obviously he wasn't. It was probably like 2012 <laughs> or whatever. But two years with the Packers. I love this move. I love the fact that the Packers went and got another tight end. They already had a really solid tight end. I'm forgetting his name. They converted him um, like from quarterback or something. And He's like 6'5", caught 11 touchdowns this year, whatever. You add more depth to that receiving core and just another vet. That's all Aaron Rodgers needs. Gives him, Give him more weapons, shore up that offensive line, and it's lights out. I like the move for the Packers. I definitely do. Yeah, it's a good move. They got a good, solid tight end. They didn't need much besides that, and Packers, again, are going to be one of the best teams in the league. Without a doubt, and – I really need to brush up on my uh, NFL names, man. Now that there hasn't been football for like two months, like I'm like forgetting people's names. I'm like, oh, what is this tight end's name? I got to figure it out, Pat. I got to I gotta get back to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I agree. I got to get back in the, uh, the swing of everything. Got to get into that NBA trade deadline and buyout market, Pat. It was popping off as it always does. In the intro, I said this is one of my favorite days of the year. I'm just on Woj and Sham's pages all day being like, give me another Woj bomb. Give me another Woj bomb. And some of them didn't drop that I was hoping for. But there was a lot going on. First, we're going to start with the Celtics, Pat, because, you know, we're Celtics fans. Shout out KG. Got, got the KG repping today, man. One yeah. of the best trades. The unbiased podcast. <laughs> one, of, <laughs> one of the best trades in Celtics history right here. But so the Celtics... There were a couple different moves. They were involved in a few trades, but I'm just going to read what we gave up and what we lost to make it easy. Celtics get rid of Jeff Teague. Yes. Yes, we did. We got rid of Jeff Teague finally. Javante Green and Daniel Tice end up with the Bulls. We get two and we send away two second rounders. Guess what? Second rounders don't matter at all. Goodbye. See you later, second rounders. We get Evan Fournier, Pat. We get Evan Fournier. That's the big move. And then we get Mo Wagner and Luke Cornett. Both have been kind of surprises playing off the bench since Tristan Thompson's out right now, and we're still missing some guys. But the whole point here is that we get Fournier, right? We didn't get Aaron Gordon from the Magic like we wanted to. Yet again, we were right behind a team for a trade for a big player at the deadline. The Nuggets end up getting uh, AG, which somehow I didn't put in this list, but we'll talk about that too. But Pat, Evan Fournier comes to this team, 19.7 points a game, would be the third leading scorer on our team. 6-7, can play the 1-2 and 3. Played decent on defense last night in his first game. But Pat, as you put on here, that debut did not go as planned, man, at yeah. all. Yeah, and it's like, I don't think we have anything to worry about. I think it's probably, I mean, he just moved from 
Orlando playing up in Boston with us. It's like, that's a tough thing playing for a completely new team, completely new scheme, uh, all new teammates. So it's not surprising that he had some jitters, but 0 for 10 in 33 minutes played. That's, that's kind of rough. And I'm glad it was only 10 shots in 33 minutes. So it's not like terrible, but not making a single field goal is pretty tough. And I don't know if he made any free throws or anything, like if he had zero points, but 0 for 10 is not going to cut it. I will say that. I couldn't agree more. And the thing was too, there was no Jalen Brown in this game. So it was kind of like, Hey, Fournier, here's, here's Jalen's minutes. Here's his shots. Go get it, man. This is, your yeah, first we needed game. a little more out of him. Yeah. And it's like, go play free. And he, you know, there were some really gross lineups out on the court where I was like, why are they doing this? And my buddies were like, Oh, this is a lineup just to get Fournier the ball, let him shoot, let him distribute all this stuff. And he didn't play well, but again, first team, first our new team first game new scheme new coaches new teammates all the above man and i'm not worried about it i think he's going to be a phenomenal pickup i was really excited about it one he's the best bench player on our team now he is our sixth man he's going to play Mm -hmm. 30 minutes a game off the bench he can play the one two and three very excited about the versatility two he's the best shooter on our team we don't have anyone that can shoot like fournier this is fantastic three he's going to be in our closing lineups He's absolutely going to be in our closing lineups as a shooter, as a vet. But Pat, here's where I'm worried. Our five best players go like this. Kemba, Marcus Smart, Fournier, JB, JT. Our five best players are a point guard, two shooting guards, and two small forwards. That is not an ideal way to build a roster. And I understand that the league is more positionless now and that the league is different and the spacing and the shooting and the pace, but our five best players are small forwards and down, which I yep. don't love. I do. And not we're always love. like, we seem to just always be lacking that versatile big guy. Like we, we just always are. I mean, we had Tice, but we got rid of them. We, we just don't have much for big guys ever. And I know we mentioned earlier on in one of the early episodes, like the big lineup wasn't working, but I think it's just a combo of who we were rolling out there. Like we could find the right combo. And I'm just so upset that we didn't get Aaron Gordon because mm. he, I mean, then power forward become power forward, maybe even center. He's a versatile center too. He's a big guy. He could play that. Like you said, it's positionless kind of, he wouldn't be a true center, but he could be a guy who we can mix around. And for him to go to the Nuggets, heartbreaking. But the Nuggets, man, the Nuggets are going to be good. The Nuggets are going to be very good. That was a nice pickup for them, man. That was a nice pickup. They gave up Gary Harris two first-round picks and I think another player. And Mm -hmm. I kind of get why the Celtics didn't give that up, right? That's kind of – It's a lot. That's kind of a lot. Like Gary Harris is a more – is a better player than we have on our team that we can trade. Like Mm -hmm. they weren't moving Marcus Smart to first and someone else for him. And also – Gordon's just a fantastic fit with the Nuggets. You put another athlete in that lineup. Think about what you want next to Jokic. You want a rim runner. You want a guy who's just sprinting rim to rim, ready to catch those full court passes. Dude, when you watch an Aaron Gordon, Nico Jokic pick and roll, you're going to be blown away. I (laughs) And you get Jamal Murray too, throwing the dish in the ball to both of them. It's going to be, that's another player in the West. The West is so good, man. And now Gordon doesn't have to try to be a number one or number two. He is very, very clearly the number three or number four option on that team. Mm -hmm. Dude, if you have Jamal Murray out there, it doesn't even matter who's at shooting guard. They got options, right? We got Will Barton. We got Torrey Craig. We got Monte Morris. We got options. 
Doesn't even matter. Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, and Jokic, that is an unbelievably versatile lineup. And, man, just put Bull Bull in there for fun. Like, that would, that would just be a crazy lineup to watch run up and down that court. But I like this trade a lot for the Nuggets. I don't know what really helps the magic. You get your two first-round picks. You get the contract out. But Gary Harris, I kind of hope that he ends up getting bought out or moved because he doesn't need to be in Orlando. I know that all their good young players are hurt. You're missing Jonathan Isaac, Cole Anthony, and Markel Fultz. Those are who you're trying to build around. And Mo Bamba, actually. Jeez, they're missing everybody. Those poor Orlando magic playing. They got rid of their three best players. Yeah, it's nuts. It's nuts. I appreciate them giving us Fournier, though, because I'm excited to see him play. And, la- and just going back to that Celtics trade, too, shout out Daniel Tice, man. Great four years in Boston. Workhorse, but you're a backup center. You can never be the starter. It, it is what it is. It's just kind of how the league is. You're an undersized guy. Hoping he can find that Montrez Harrell role, you know, just be an energetic big off the bench, being around the big guys. But now we get to start Rob Williams. Rob Williams has been phenomenal in his three starts. I think I think I think that we're moving in the right direction, and I I kind of think Danny Ainge strong armed Brad Stevens. I think he kind of said, "Play the young guy. We're get we can't pay Tice." He said, "No, no more." Rob Williams, and he got rid of Tice, and now Tice heads to the Bulls. Pat and the Bulls did another big trade, man. They got Nikola Vucevic and Alfred Aminu for Wendell Carter. Shout out Duke Otto Porter. Two first round picks with pick protections. I love this trade for Chicago. This says, hey, we're trying to build a good team here. Let's trade for an all-star. And now Zach Levine has an all-star on the roster. He has a guy that can stretch mm-hmm. the court, Nikola Vucevic. Vucevic isn't winning you more games. Um, it's not bringing you to the pla- to the promised land. This is, this is the best big they've had in a while. But it's still a move that doesn't really get you anywhere. You're giving up two first-round picks. Otto Porter's gone. I know he's on an expiring contract, but you get rid of your young center, Wendell Moore, who was like the ninth pick in the draft a couple years ago or whatever he was. You get views, you get Aminu, uh, but I I don't know if this elevates the Bulls. I don't know if the Bulls got better. I think having Tyson Vucevic on the team is going to help, but I don't know if the Bulls got that much better. I really don't. Yeah, I agree. I, I thought Chicago was a team that was on the up and up, and they had some good solid pieces, Lori Markinen. Zach Levine and then those two first round picks I thought were going to be critical to the team's development and then they've gone and given them away for you know Vucevic is a great player so is Aminu but at the same time like you said I don't think it gets you anywhere now I don't think you should be in win now mode as the Bulls there's so many there's so many dominant teams around the league I mean you look at who the Nuggets just got how they're developing you look at the Lakers who we're going to mention in a second and then you got the Nets, of course. It's like, I, I don't think they even beat the Bucs. It's, I, I don't know why that move makes sense. Again, I'm not in the, I'm not in the head office. I'm not in the higher ups. I don't know, but I would, uh, if I was in those shoes, I would have kept those two first rounders. I like the point you made, man. You're not in win now mode. You're in develop Kobe white, Zach Levine, Wendell Moore, and Lori Markin in mode. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's what you should be doing. I think this is kind of weird. Now, Otto Porter is a guy we've talked about. I think I really hope he gets bought out by the Orlando Magic. I really hope that he does. He's an expiring contract. They're not going to get anything for him. He's just going to leave in free agency. Hope he gets bought out and joins a good team. He has a lot to offer as a 3 and D wing. 6'8", can guard a couple different positions. 
But every time I say buyout, Pat, I'm just scared that someone's going to go sign with the Nets. I'm just like, I, I'm like, yeah, I want he'll go get sign with the Nets out. for 1 million. It's like, that's the thing. I don't want uh, them to get bought out now because I'm scared. If Otto Porter's on the Nets bench, man, yep. the Nets, the Nets were up to it again. Marcus <laughs> yeah. Aldridge gets bought out. Marcus Aldridge signs with the Nets. I mean, what Dude. can you say? It's like it's ridiculous. They got Blake Griffin and now Lamarcus Aldridge. Then on their Spencer bench. Dinwiddie. Spencer Dinwiddie's gonna come back at some point yeah. towards the end of the year. Like they're I mean, it just gets worse and worse. And man, like everyone's been talking about it. They're like, this isn't taking the competitive fun. This is LA and Blake, they're not the players they used to be. Blake Griffin the other day after the game was like, well, all I heard was I'm trash for two years. Why does it matter? I joined this team. Like, yes, but you still are averaging 13 and five. And LaMarcus is still averaging 12 and five. And on the bench as the sixth and seventh options. Yeah, and that's all you need. It's like, that's more than enough coming off the bench when you have the three superstars that they have. It's like, what? I mean, what the hell? This is the greatest team ever put together. I think on paper, yeah, definitely. It, like, obviously, it depends how they play in real life, which I think will match up to paper. But on paper, it's, like, the best roster ever assembled. Like, this team versus the 73-9 and nine Warriors wins. This team I against agree. the 72-10 and 10 Bulls wins. Man, Kevin Durant hasn't even playing. James Harden looking like the MVP. I feel like Kyrie's going to sit a playoff series. Then Harden's going to sit a playoff series. KD will sit the conference <laughs> finals. Keep everyone fresh. They're going to be taking nights off in the playoffs, man. <laughs> like, yep. Everyone's oh. going to be fresh. It's like, and if they just sweep a team for nothing too, it's like, if you, if this paper, if this team on paper is as good as they can be, and then they're fresh too, it's like, that's not a team you're going to beat in the playoffs. Even you know, with the Lakers be- who, yeah, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's going to be really, really, really messed up when they're blowing someone out by 30 and then their bench lineup to get their players in is Spence Dinwiddie, Landry Shamit, who is a knockdown shooter, Joe Harris, who's one of the best shooters in the league, Blake and LaMarcus. That mm-hmm. is better than some playoff teams. <laughs> yeah, right. Like that, that team gives the Bulls starting lineup a run for their money, just for example. This team has three or four closing lineups. Five-man lineups, that would be the best lineup in the league. You could do four or five combinations out of the best 10 players, and it would be the best lineup in the league. Mm -hmm. It's scary, dude. It is scary. and Yeah, it's like, what can you do? It really does genuinely feel like the competitive nature of the East is gone, and genuinely the league. (laughs) And I don't think I'm being dramatic. I I know I'm a very dramatic person, Pat. I don't even feel like I'm being dramatic. Like, this team is scary. And I know. No, because I mean, I said... I said like two weeks ago that it was a wrap when they got Blake Griffin and now they added LaMarcus Aldridge and then Spencer Dinwiddie is going to come back. It's like, yeah, God forbid Otto Porter gets bought out and goes there. DeAndre Jordan needs a night off. Would you like to put in Blake Griffin or LaMarcus Aldridge? Yeah. Yeah, Everyone's going to be fresh. You can just constantly rotate the lineup. Steve Nash has a dream lineup for a first year coach. (laughs) Luckiest coach in NBA history. Yeah, luckiest, look at the roster he's got put around. Luckiest first signing ever, ever. Yeah, it's nuts. All right, Good for I Nash, talk about, though. Yeah, yeah, no, shout out Steve Nash. Absolutely, one of the GOATs, man. Two-time MVP, Hall of Famer. And uh, somehow he went from a soccer analyst to an NBA head coach within a month. But uh, is what it is. Shout out <laughs> shout out Tottenham. That's his favorite team. That's uh, that's who he supports. 
couple more trades, Pat. Um, I could talk about the Nets forever, man, because they are stressing yeah, no, me could. out. <laughs> but, but Norman Powell to Toronto. I mean, from Toronto to Portland for Gary Trent and Rodney Hood. Now, Norman Powell, expiring contract. Expects over $20 million per year after this year. The Raptors aren't doing anything. The Raptors might not even make the playoffs. They're not in contention this year. Too many injuries. So they said, okay, Norman, go get out. We'll take a young guy in Rodney Hood. Gary Trent, going to be a decent little pickup for the Raptors. Rodney Hood, same thing. But Norman Powell to the Blazers, they're the five seed in the West right now. You just need guard help and guard depth to help these guys when they're not playing. CJ's back. Dame's been healthy. Dame's second or third in the MVP vote, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, Norman Powell's a really solid pickup. You get a score. You get a guy that can shoot at all three levels, scrappy on defense here and there, can average you know 18 points a game if you need him to. So I like this signing. I feel like this is kind of – I feel like this is the sixth man and a guy who's going to be part of the Blazers' closing lineup. I like this for the uh, for the Blazers. Yeah, I do as well. I mean, the Blazers have been so consistent for years now. And finally, you get Dame a little help and CJ. CJ is amazing too. You right. get those two guys some help, that guard depth that they need. And they probably won't win anything, but I think just like last year and the year before, like there'll be a team that wins a playoff series, maybe wins a second, but then loses, maybe loses the second. I think they'll mm-hmm. be right around there again. Again, there's just too many talented teams in the West and East. It's like, it's, it's so tough with these super teams to compete, but I, I it's a good pickup, but I feel so bad for Dame and CJ. I mean, they, they're two guys that could win and they just can't. It's like Stockton and, and Malone. Roots for it's like, obviously they're not Stockton and Malone. It's two different, you know, types of guys, but in, you know what I mean? In that example, it's like two guys who could win and have the talent to win, but just can't because there's just too many other good teams. Yeah. And people generally root for those guys. No one's like anti Dame and anti CJ. They're likable guys. They're fun Very, players. Yeah. They're creative on offense. Like they're fun to watch, man. And you do root for them. You do root for them without a doubt. Now, a couple more, Pat, run through. Oladipo, I didn't even put the trade details on here because it doesn't even matter. It was like Myers Leonard, someone in two picks to the Rockets, man. Oladipo to the Heat, expired contract. People have thought he's going to be there forever. Um, He wanted to be there. They're going to re-sign him, it seems like. I think it's a good trade for the Heat, obviously. They need more firepower, and especially with how the roster building is now in the league, you need as many guys as you can that can do a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. And I'm just so disappointed in the Rockets for not getting value back for James Harden. Like they just at the end, when you look at everything they've got in these couple trades, because Depot is part of this trade for Harden, they just didn't get enough for Harden at all. I don't think the Rockets managed it well at all. Uh, I definitely think it's unfortunate, but I like Oladipo on the heat. I really do. And the only problem I have with it is that they're that five of their best six players are guards. Goran Dragic, Victor Oladipo, Jimmy Butler, Duncan Robinson, and Tyler Hero. Those are your five best players outside of Bam Adebayo. They all play the one, two, and three. But again, shooting, positionless, defense everywhere. This is what you want in today's modern NBA. I don't love it personally as a roster builder, but this is going to be a very good team. I think Depot's a good pickup for the Heat. Yeah, I think like the Rockets, it's they ended up almost with like nothing in exchange for James Harden. But this is almost a win just because I think Oladipo was just he wasn't happy in Houston. They was only bringing the locker room down. If anything, like obviously he's a great talent, but they might be better without him. And I, I don't know. Yeah, like you said, the Heat they have they didn't really need Oladipo. I don't I don't think in terms of what they needed to fill in positions, but 
I do think it was a win kind of for both teams, at least at least maybe not the Heat, but Oladipo and Houston, because that just wasn't a good situation at all. And you get a couple more picks for a player that doesn't want to be there and that you weren't going to pay. So is what it is. Last few, Pat, Drummond bought out by the Cavs, signs with the Lakers pretty quickly. They say the Celtics were the next team. He was really interested, but signs with the Lakers. This to me is a great signing, obviously, when everyone's healthy. I think that Drummond looked at the, the Nets and said, okay, there's it's the Nets versus everyone else who is the closest to competing. And I think he looked at the Lakers, saw that they have a hole at center that they never filled after Dwight and JaVale left. The Gasol experiment didn't work out. Marcus Gasol, we thought he was going to be an awesome fit for the Lakers. Didn't work out. Drummond is a 15 and 13 guy. Plug that next to AD. AD has always wanted to be a four. He doesn't like playing the five. You get a guy doing all the big bruising down low. Less physicality on AD, on LeBron. I think it was the right call for the competitiveness of the league. The only other team I could have seen him going to, and I wish he did, was the Clippers. Because I think him and Serge Ibaka up front with Kawhi and PG could have really matched up well with anyone. But I like the move for him to the Lakers for the point of parity in the league, if nothing else. The Lakers are the only team that have a chance to beat the Nets, and I don't think they have a chance to beat the Nets. So I'm glad Drummond went there, if nothing else. Which yeah, there needed to be to one team. Fan. There needed to be one team in the West that could match up with the Nets now. Right. Like Drummond, like you said, probably did look. He's like, there's only one team I can go to. I mean, maybe the Clippers, but. I'd rather be on the Lakers too. Defending just, champs. Exactly. You'd rather be with LeBron, if anything. I think LeBron and Anthony Davis, they give you your best chance to win over Kawhi and Paul George. And I, I yeah, I, I think the Lakers are, I mean, they were already a serious contender, but now it actually, that would be a good series. The Nets versus the Lakers with Drummond. I, I think that is a competitive matchup with everything healthy. Yes. Yeah, so Drum- everyone healthy. And Drummond at this stage is better than DeAndre Jordan, LaMarcus and, Blake, but the problem is they have three of them and the Lakers have trouble. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Pat, last couple to run through real quick. Austin Rivers traded and waived, signed with the Bucks. Jeff Teague also got cut and signed with the Bucks. Guard help, vet help, shooting. That's what the Bucks need. I kind of I love the Rivers signing. Um, I couldn't care less about Jeff Teague, but it has been funny on Twitter. Celtics blog tweeted out saying, you do realize that Jeff Teague is going to knock the Celtics out of the playoffs, right? After we hated on Jeff Teague all year um, because he's on the Bucks now. Yeah. But I like the river signing. Big guard can score all three Me levels. Well. I, I like that signing a lot for the uh, for the Bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you have anything else to say about those. or just... No, not much. Austin Rivers was a good pickup. I agree. Uh, mm-hmm. Teague. I, I don't need to talk about T. That's okay. <laughs> All right, man. And last one. I don't know if anyone's talking about this, Pat. My man, Jabari Parker. Shout out, Duke. We love all of our Duke boys. I have unrealistic expectations of every single one of them. I think Jabari Parker is still a contributor in this league. People forget this dude was yeah. averaging close to 20 in his second year. People forget that this was the number one prospect over Andrew Wiggins. This was the guy out of high school and I think Jabari Parker still has something to give. I'm not saying it should be, but the Celtics could use a guy that can play the four and the three that can score off the bench. All yeah, I'm saying need, is we need a bench guy. I'd rather Jabari Parker than Semi Ojale. That's all I'm saying. All I'm saying. And I feel like Jabari would take a pay cut too to like come play for the Celtics. You know, someone that could be a potential contender. I, I could see that as a fit, but I do think Jabari could be a contender or sorry, a contributor. 
but it is so sad what happened with him. Like, I know he was good when he first came in, but like things have kind of been dropping off. I feel like he's just never found the right fit, never the right system. It's just anywhere he's gone, it's like it hasn't been, it just hasn't been a good situation. And then he was so highly touted coming out of high school. I remember in the Sports Illustrated magazine when he was coming out, like everyone's worried because he's a Mormon. They, they're supposed to do, a lot of them are supposed to do like some sort of a religious duties. So they were worried like he wasn't going to go to college basketball or like the NBA right away, but he ended up bypassing that he went to duke for a year and then he moved on went to the nba and he was supposed to be the next big next big thing like you said he was above andrew wiggins in that draft class which i guess it, that was supposed to be a big draft class neither of neither have worked out the way expected because jolari and wiggins went, joel Embiid went number three and he's the best player from that draft. yeah he's the, he's <laughs> the best one yeah for sure and uh yeah i, I don't know what else to say but it, it's it's sad to see what happened with jabari i hope he finds the right team i hope he finds a good fit and i hope he can revive the career because i would love to see him thrive especially the guy who's only 25 or 26 you root for him like this guy's yeah, already a journeyman already a journeyman already played for the uh the bucks the hawks the kings the bull like it's mm-hmm. he's, already a hey, he's a young guy still he's still got a chance hope he can figure it out man hope he can figure it out pat I love talking basketball, but we had UFC 260 this weekend, man, and what a night it was. Stipe versus Francis, man. It was it was the fight of a century, or at least it was built up to be the fight. What wasn't quite as exciting as that. It was a good fight, but Pat, I'm gonna just let you dive in, and I'll fill in along the way if I can. <laughs> well, there's always like this. Uh certain like mystique and certain excitement around a heavyweight fight or a heavyweight Mm. championship fight it's just they're two huge dudes the scariest dudes on the planet no matter who it is like you think back to like brock lesnar uh frank Mir, daniel cormier and then you steep amy and now the scariest man on the planet and now the baddest man on the planet officially because he won the title and francis and gadu i think that's the biggest thing was coming into this was Ngannou improved enough from the last time him and Miocic fought and he proved to be but there was a big question coming in because so after the Stipe loss in the first title fight Ngannou lost Derek Lewis by decision it was like the most boring fight of all time that's what it's been uh, coined and then he went on this four fight win streak but the longest fight time in those four fights was a minute and 11 seconds I believe so out of a minute and 11 seconds did we really think he had enough experience and enough cage time to be as improved as he looked on Saturday night? I mean, but he answered all those questions because he looked so composed. He looked scary. And it was funny. I saw they have like the tweets pop up on screen now. And someone said, uh, calm Francis is the scariest man on the planet. Oh yeah. And he for sure is because when he looks composed that way, he looks like an assassin, like a trained killer. And another big thing about this was Francis was 263. Stipe weighed in, I think, 234 or 233. He was about 30 pounds lighter, which was good against Cormier in their last fight because Stipe was able to move quick and DC's a little, DC's got the hand speed, but otherwise he's pretty slow because he's a big guy. He's a wrestler. So Stipe was able to kind of move around, be the more, uh, have more movement and he could match the hand speed of Cormier, but with Nganu, I mean, the biggest thing was going to be Miocic, was going to be Miocic to wrestle Nganu. But when you're 30 pounds lighter, mm. it's kind of tough to do that. 
And then we saw that because he tried to take Nganu down and Nganu stuffed the takedown. And that was like when, when he stuffed the takedown, I knew that the fight was kind of going to be over because that was the thing where that Miocic thrived on in the first fight. Miocic weathered the storm and he made Francis tired. He wrestled him, but it didn't work out. And once that happened, I knew Francis was going to win the stand-up. Francis was just too big. He landed some great shots. And now he officially is the baddest man on the planet. Yeah, man, that BMF belt between Masvidal and Diaz is BS because Francis Ngannou is the baddest MF on the planet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. When you see that short left connect, dude, and the absolute speed that he had on that little left counter, it is it is horrifying. And, man, when he knocked Miocic out and then you see him stand over and bring up the hammer fist to just to end the fight, man, I was like, don't let him do it, ref. Don't let him yeah, bring it down. It's, it's always scary. You <sighs> land that last punch. I mean, he looked like a monster just like stalking over him, just Literally. throwing that last hammer fist. I mean, Stipe was already done. He like, if you saw him fall backwards, like his legs were all bent and he was already out. Like it was, but then you got to go till the ref stops you. And the right. Herb Dean, the ref did move in as quick as he could, but like, yeah, God, when you have a Ganu in there, I mean, you got to be on your toes. You got to be in there so quick. And he was, but. I feel like Herb Dean is one of like three refs allowed to ref an Nganu fight because he's the only guy big enough to, to pull him off or get in between. Yeah. <laughs> like a couple of them, Big John. And then, and then man. yeah, dude, Nganu looks so scary. And you brought it up. The weight difference was just substantial. We talked it about it with Izzy and Blahovich. The weight difference was substantial. It was 20, 25 pounds. This Miocic weighed in at 234, I think you said. So maybe he fought at 238. Two, maybe he probably didn't put it on any yeah, those weight. Those big guys don't really even cut weight. Like a lot of the fighters are cutting weight the night before the fight. And I watch like the UFC vlog series that they do, like leading up to the fight. Stipe was like, everyone else is cutting weight that they're showing. Stipe's like, yeah, I just ate some like chicken parm, some salad. I'm like, dude, these guys are living the life. They don't got to even cut weight. Francis really? maybe did a little bit because he was 263. So he's like near that limit. But like, I, not really, because he probably would have been like 265 exactly if he was cutting weight. So I don't know. I thought everyone thought Stipe was going to bulk up for this a little bit, because if you were going to wrestle, you don't want to be 30 pounds lighter than the guy. I, I couldn't agree more. And Pat, after the fight, Dana White was kind of laughing and kind of made fun of John Jones when he was asked about a potential fight and what John Jones up to. And he said, oh, if I was watching this fight, I'd want to go back to 185 if I was John. After he after John has been getting ready, putting on weight and training for a heavyweight fight for months, he's put on the weight, he's put in the time. And I'm a John Jones defender is the mm -hmm. reason I got into UFC. Well, what did you think about Dana White's comments and kind of what's next for the heavyweight di division? So you'll see Dana do this. Like he's really a master businessman. Like he <laughs> knows exactly what he's doing because he he'll say that he'll basically talk shit about the guys. And that's what he does because he knows that John's going to get pissed and he's going to start posting on Twitter. Oh yeah. And all the, <laughs> all the fans, it's, it's the thing where like fans listen to Dana say that and they believe it. And they start to think, you know, oh, it's John scared. Like maybe John won't want the fight. 
And it becomes this thing where John like tweets out. He's like, he's like, oh, I moved up, gained all this weight to come fight in heavyweight. Like, and I'm scared. Come on. Like, I've never backed away from a challenge. I've never but Dana lost. knows. Dana <laughs> knows what he's doing. He's trying to make that fight. He's doing everything he can. And I think in his mind, like the way to do it is to make John mad and want to negotiate. Because Dana knows that John wants a lot of money to make the fight. And the UFC doesn't want to do that. I mean, they want to, they'll pay him his due. John makes a lot of money. But in John's eyes, he doesn't get paid like he should, especially not to move up and wait and fight the scariest man on the planet. So I know John wants the money to do that, but I think they'll get the, I think they'll get the fight done. I I really think they will. I think that'll be the next thing. And yeah, in terms of the heavyweight division and where it's going, I think that will be the fight to be made. Again, Dana was like, well, if John doesn't want it, you know, we got a bunch of other guys. We got Derek Lewis waiting in the wings, so they'll do yeah. the Derek Lewis rematch. So it's like this thing where he, he tries to make it feel like, you know, Jones isn't this, like, special commodity. He's like, oh, we can move on anytime. But is that the case? I, I don't think so. I think Dana knows he wants to make that fight. It's the biggest money fight. But Dana's just got to say that to the public and to the press so that it makes the negotiating easier. And it's, it's just another tactic he uses because he really is a genius with it. So I think yeah. that is where the heavyweight division goes. And as for Stipe, I mean, I don't think he has anything else left to prove. They could make the trilogy fight if he really wanted it with Nganu. I don't think he would. I think he loses that rematch. I think Nganu's too good now. I Clearly, he's gone up in skill immensely. His, his team over there in Vegas is crazy good. So for the heavyweight division, I, I don't know. Stipe says after every fight, like he contemplates retirement, but then he always comes Mm. back. But I think this time it might be for good. And that's kind of where I'm just at with the heavyweight division. I think Stipe might retire. Uh, He's the heavyweight goat as of now. I don't think he has anything else to prove. And I think Nganu versus Jones is the next fight to make. And if not, it'll be Nganu versus Lewis. Derek Lewis is probably one of the only heavyweights genuinely not scared of Francis Ngannou because Derek Lewis is about it like that. So that would be. A oh lot yeah, of he is. Watch, yeah, they but... fought. I mean, they fought last time. So uh, yep. and they both were kind of gun shy in that fight. So I, I, he knows the power that Francis has, but I don't think Derek Lewis is scared of anyone. Yeah, and I don't think John Jones is scared at all. But I will say, John Jones has never faced heavyweight power. He's never fought no you, guys no. that are stronger than him, and he'll be faster and he'll be better movement and who knows but man francis is a scary dude i wouldn't want to fight him i wouldn't want to fight him and pat do you want to talk about any of the rest of these fights i mean we got the tyron woodley getting ah oh man it was, it was kind of embarrassing in that fight fourth loss in a row you had told me and yeah i was kind of thinking tyron might be time to hang up the boots man might be time. yeah there's not much else to say i mean woodley yeah he lost his fourth fight in a row I think it, so he had lost 15 straight rounds and I think he lost, uh, I think that was a first round submission if I'm not mistaken. Mm. So he lost his 16th round in a row, fourth loss, but it, well, and it was the last fight on his UFC deal. So I don't know if they resign him cause I know they pay him a lot and Dana has been making cuts since the uh, beginning of the year. They've been making a lot of cuts. They just made a few more last night. So I don't know. I, I'm not sure what they'll do with Tyron. I think he may retire. I, I don't think the UFC is going to want to resign him. Bellator. If they do, <laughs> if they do resign him, it'll be for a lot less money. And I don't think Tyron will be about that. I don't think that's what he'll want to do. But the one thing you can say about Tyron is that he did come to fight in the past mm-hmm. three fights before that. He did not look like he wanted to be there, but in on Saturday night, he did come to fight and he was the aggressor. So 
I give Tyron a lot of respect for that, but in the end, it's, Luke A was just too good, and it's it's these young guys' time. It's sure. it's just a different era now. And hey, man, respect to a legend. Woodley's an all-time great in the sport. He's a champ. You know he he's a legend. So respect to Woodley for a great career. But just might be time, man. Might be time yep. to stop getting yeah. Respect in the to head a legend and uh, respect to a legend. And yeah, that was a it was a great night of fights. UFC 260 was was awesome. Uh, you just got to touch on that Sean O'Malley KO too. The confidence yeah, that, that this kid is walking around with. Oh my god. Yeah. Goodness. What can you say? <laughs> Sean O'Malley, he's an enigma, man. He's uh he is exciting. He's uh he's a cash cow for the UFC for sure. Because even he, he wasn't even ranked and he's on the main card. He's been on the main card two times in a row, possibly three actually. He might have been on the main card three times in a row. Clearly, even as an unranked fighter, it's like, well, you know, he's an exciting guy. Everyone wants to see him fight. And everyone was worried about his leg after the last fight because he those kind of got how, how he got beaten. Uh, Marlon Vera kicked him in the leg and he, he, he has that same injury. I, th- I can't, I think it's with his ankle or his foot. So he's, he's kind of had a recurring problem with that. And that's what happened. He fell to the ground and then pretty much was over from there, but it looked fine. It looked great. He probably had his best performance to date. And uh, he had basically two walk-off KOs because he thought he did it in the first round. <laughs> Ref let it keep going. Thomas Almeida, the guy he was fighting, somehow stayed in there but maybe it wasn't for the best because he ended up getting his nose rearranged across the side of his mm. face it was gross but yeah good good on sean o'malley it was exciting to see him fight again and i know he'll be back again and Dude, the thing him about, literally just standing over him like 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 oh i won the fight oh no let me go in again yeah, his arms <laughs> were up like he didn't want to punch him again the ref hadn't stopped it and the ref probably should have stopped it dc said it on the commentary too he's like that fight should have been stopped because mm. o'malley just came and punched him right across the face again I was like that was unnecessary yes. but it wasn't o'malley's fault he had to do it the ref didn't stop the fight so it's like again with Nganu, mm. like you just keep going until the ref pulls you off and the ref stops you that's what you're trained to do you don't want to lose the fight by some miracle that's that's absolutely true that's absolutely true ufc 260 was awesome man it really was was. another great night of fights man and dana white just keeps putting it together every single card is so exciting to watch i've become more and more of a ufc fan as the time goes it is a lot of fun i think i'm getting you into it i I think so dude i've always liked the ufc but hearing pat talk about it i just want to know the names as well as you man that's all i just i just want to yeah it it helps me a lot with names like uh (laughs) african names european names all like same with fifa like ever playing fifa like it helps me pronounce so many names that i otherwise wouldn't that's a fact that's a fact pat we got to move on to some listener questions and i was going to ask this one last but you just mentioned fifa learning the name. So I'm just going to ask it now. This is a surprise question for you. Sergio Aguero has announced that he is leaving Manchester city, Pat. If Sergio Aguero came to the MLS, how many goals would he score? The goal record is 34 in a season. Would Sergio Aguero break the goal record in the MLS in his first season playing there? If he was in the right system. I think he would. I mean, who has it now? Was it uh, Carlos Vela? Carlos Vela. Okay, okay. And before that, it was Joseph, Joseph right? From, yep. Uh, yep. I think he would. I think if he comes to the MLS, the most likely place he wants to go is Miami. And why not? I mean, who can blame you? Miami is a great place to be. David Beckham's one of the, he runs the show pretty much over yep. there. I think he'd want to play there. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think he would break the goal record, but it's I, I'm just flustered because it's like it's it's so sad to see him go from Man City. I kind of knew this time was coming. I I almost thought he was gonna leave last year, the year before that. Like I thought he was gonna be gone much sooner because uh, Pep 
Guardiola didn't really play him as much anymore. He was more in favor of the young guys, the young Brazilians. So I'm surprised to see him that he's stuck around this long. Mm. Yeah. But, uh, it, yeah. It is sad to see him go, man. He is potentially the greatest striker in Premier League history. When you look at the stats, when you look at the league titles, when you look at everything he's done. And uh, I know I texted it to you, but the only I, I'd like to see him at, back at Atletico too. If Suarez leaves, I think he'd be a good fit there. But man, if he came to the MLS, it wouldn't be fair. He's one of the best strikers all time. Like the dude is a beast. Shout out, yeah, he's one of the he's one of the reasons I became a Man City fan. So it's like way back in the day when he came here. I mean, he's done so much for the club. It's like, what can you say about the guy except that he's phenomenal? I hear that. I hear that. And Pat, getting onto a much more serious question from my boy Joe Hagen. Shout out my old uh, co-host on WSKB at Westfield. You know, Joe Hagen's the man from Bridgewater. He wants to know, in a Hell in a Cell cage match, Pat, Grizzly Bear or Silverback Gorilla? Now, my answer changes. Well, it might not change, but my answer is different because it's in a cage. Like, this this is a cage match. They are in an octagon. They're in a ring. They can't leave, right? So I have to pick the Grizzly Bear. I think that the gorilla has a lot of advantages. You look at thumbs, you look at movement, you look at, you look at a lot of the things that separates it. But I think the fact that the bear has the deadly claws and the deadly teeth in a small arena, that's, that's what, that's what I go with the grizzly bear for. These are both massive animals. They're not that much different in size. Grizzly bears can be heavier, less. I know I'm like going at this like as an analytical perspective. But <laughs> yeah. I, I'm telling you, I think that I think that the slashing power and the claws are the difference here. Is the gorilla allowed to use the cage around the around the octagon? Because if the gorilla can climb up and just drop down, it's gorilla all day. You get the gorillas on the back, no chance. But yeah, I mean he's got the opposable thumbs <laughs> and like I, I don't know. I mean a gorilla's skin is so tough and they're so muscular. Like what would the, you think grizzly bears are huge. I mean, it's a tough question, but silverback gorillas are crazy. When I think about it, like the hell in a cell, like those were big cages. Like it depends. Like, are we talking like UFC <laughs> octagon or like big cage? Because if it's a big cage again, and it's gorilla can use the cage, I'm going silverback gorilla all day. All right. So uh silverback gorilla is about 350 pounds. And then a grizzly bear is a female's up to 440 and a male's up to 600. So there's a big weight advantage there, but I think yeah. the dexterity and movement of a gorilla, man, I, I really do think that it's a significant advantage. <laughs> I don't know. I, it is an age old question. I've heard that one before. So yeah, Joe Hagan, I, I don't know. I I've thought I've definitely pondered this question before just when asked by a friend, but I forgot who I picked. I want to say gorilla. I can't even really say my reasoning. For some <laughs> reason, I just think a silverback gorilla is, I, even if they're not that as heavy as a male grizzly bear, I just think of a gorilla being so big and mm. I feel like they're so agile. Yeah. Maybe they're better takedowns. Hey, if this is the bear <laughs> Khabib was wrestling, I, I think the gorilla wins because, Khabib, well, Khabib was wrestling its cub, but I also don't think it was a grizzly bear. Grizzly you bear would be kind of dangerous. Now we need to go find the gorilla that Khabib has wrestled and get the all the animals that Khabib wrestles to fight each yeah, other. Yeah, this would be a question for Khabib. Khabib's wrestled them, so uh, I think we'll have to find that out. Final verdict from Pat. You're going silverback? I'm going Just, silverback. All right, final verdict for me. I'm going grizzly bear. 
And, and again, we got to get the dimensions on this cage and the rules going. Maybe we'll come up with some rules for next week, but we'll see. Time to get on to a little more sports, man. Jimmy McQuaid, one of my first residents ever at Westfield. This kid's hilarious, dude. Any time of the day, he says good morning. You see him at midnight. Hey, good morning, Chandler. Oh, you see him at 6 p.m. Good morning. And I'm like, all right, Jimmy. Good morning as well. I didn't quite get it. Funny kid. But he said, do you think that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum's similar play styles could potentially hold each other back? and could potentially limit each other's contributions. This is a fantastic question. And I think the answer is yes, if the roster isn't built the right way. These two can complement each other as well as any duo in the league, as long as they have the right roster built around them. You know, some, some people aren't meant to play together. Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are not meant to play together, but you put three shooters in the lineup and they're a phenomenal fit. So it's all about fit, in my opinion. I don't think that they will limit each other in the long term. I think they're going to be a great duo for a long time. No, I think they really complement each other. I mean, if what we've seen over the last couple of years, like there's nothing holding them back whatsoever. They each put up serious numbers. They were both all-stars. I don't think they limit each other at all. I think it's just a matter of finding the right pieces to fit around them. Like We need that versatile big. We need a little bit of guard depth. I, I think they do complement each other. And I think, yeah, again, it's just about filling out the rest of what we need. That's very fair. My boy, Dave, he's wondering who will be the first hall of famer out of CD lamb, Jerry, Judy, and Justin Jefferson. It's a hard question, man. That These are guys were all just rookies. Jerry, Judy missed us the most, most of the season, but out of purely what happened, Justin Jefferson's the best out of them. Justin Jefferson looks like he could produce 100 catches and 1,000 yards every year of his career. So I'm rocking with Justin Jefferson here. And really, like, a big question is the quarterback that's throwing to them because who's mm. going to be the quarterback throwing to them forever? Jerry Judy's on the Broncos, correct? Yeah. Yeah, so he has Drew Locke throwing to him. And then we got Justin Jefferson, who, even with Kirk Cousins throwing to him, had that amazing season last year. So in terms of talent, Jefferson – I'd say it's between C.D. Lamb and Jefferson. I think I might have to go with Justin Jefferson as well. Uh, C.D. Lamb would probably be my number two choice. I think he will be a breakout star. in Well, he kind of already is. But if Dak is healthy and throwing the way he can, it'll be Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb. So C.D. Lamb could have put up big numbers in Dallas. But I think overall talent-wise, I think Justin Jefferson is going to be my pick. I'm with you there. And moving on back to a little basketball, Pat, my boy, Brett Draymond greens recently said, I'm the best defender ever. And Brett wants to know, you think Dre could handle some of the bigs from the nineties? It's absurd. The answer is absolutely not Brett Shaq, Hakeem, David Robinson. There is no chance that Draymond could match up with any of those bigs playing small ball five. And look, this is the opposite of the normal argument about you can't compare eras. This is, you can't talk about Bill Russell playing today because it's different eras. You can't talk about Draymond Green playing in the 90s because it's a different era because it's small ball five. Draymond Green's an all-time defender, defensive player of the year. has done a really some really great things, but no way he could hang with any of the bigs in the 90s. Carl Malone? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. See, I'm going to... I'm going to disagree because I think it's not necessarily about the size. It's about mentality. And I think like Draymond's mentality now, but if he was playing in the nineties when it was like a really gritty league and tough, like you had the Pistons. So I think he, for instance, he would have fit really well on that Pistons team with all the, mm. 
the tough guy. What was their nickname? The bad boys. The bad yeah. boys. Yeah, I think Draymond could have been on that team with the, with Rodman and uh, Isaiah. So I, I really do. I really do think that Draymond could have been a, uh, a good defender. I think he would have been gritty. I think he would have been going after the, the loose balls. I think he would have been getting in people's head. I, I, I'm going to disagree. I, th- I think Draymond would be Brett a good defender. Right you know how mad Brett is at you right now? <laughs> yeah, it's tough to compare the airs, but again, I don't think it's about the size. Okay, okay, Shaq is one thing. Like it's no one it's can kind guard of, Shaq, right? Like not prime Shaq ever. is yeah. like ridiculous to even try. I mean, the guy was unreal. I just saw that. Uh, I just saw that clip the other day of him dunking on that guy and just like throwing absolutely the ball at him after. <laughs> yeah, shoving him away and like he just manhandled that guy. So like that might happen to Draymond, but majority of the people that he'd be defending against, I think Draymond would be a top defender. Anyone can get posterized on any night. I mean, even Giannis has gotten posterized, but I think Draymond overall would be a gritty, tough defender. That is fair. That's very fair. Joe Braverman, shout out. uh, Let me speak. Let me speak official on Instagram, his podcast over there. Favorite sports blooper, Pat. And right when I saw this, I know mine, dude. Butt fumble, Mark Sanchez. Like, Mark Sanchez playing the Pats literally just sprints into his offensive lineman butt, fumbles it, return for a touchdown. <laughs> like that is one of the all-time great bloopers. It's iconic. Especially, yeah, especially as a Pats fan. Like, yeah, I was gonna say the Pats Jets. Fan. Shout out butt fumble, best blooper ever for me. <laughs> this one's actually I think this one's easy for me too, because no clip. I, I'm gonna judge it based on like what makes me laugh the most when okay. I watch it. The one that makes me laugh the most, if you remember, I think it was a Syracuse versus UConn men's basketball. And the guy from, I think it was, God, was it Syracuse or UConn? One kid on the team, there was like 10 seconds left and he gets the ball and it's like a tie game and he just gets the ball and hucks it full court. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure it was the game that went into like four overtimes, but he gets the ball full crowd. Just everyone's there. I think someone may have been counting down the clock in the crowd and he heard it and he thought there was like one second left and there were like 10 seconds left and he just hawks it full court. And you see, uh, God, what was the coach's name? The, uh, the super serious coach that used to coach UConn. Oh, um, Jim, um, Jim. Uh, oh my gosh. This is going to bug me. I have to look it up. Yeah, no, you should look it up. But he was, yeah, he's just staring in disbelief. I think it was UConn, so it was a UConn player. Because it was Jim Calhoun. Yeah, yeah, Jim Calhoun, yeah. So Jim Calhoun's just staring at him. All all his teammates are just like, what are you doing? Uh, It makes me crack up just thinking about it. I think I'm going to go watch it after this episode because it's honestly just comedy. That is hilarious. I might have to pull it up. I'm going to watch the butt fumble just for fun, too. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Thank you, Joe. Thank you, because that's it just keeps reminding me. It puts a smile on my face. And I think this is week four or five of listener questions, and this is by far the most confusing listener question we've had so far. Danny Coakley from Westfield. Shout out, Danny. No context to this, Pat. He just wants to know Rob Williams or prime Stephen Hawking. Rob like, Williams, the center for the Boston Celtics, or prime. St- I don't know what prime Stephen Hawking is. Like I don't. Yeah. Know. I don't. I don't know when that would be in his life, but I have no way to answer this question other than to say, if it is an intellectual problem, I'm going to Stephen Hawking, and if it's a physical, <laughs> yeah, I'm if it's athletic, we're going with Rob Williams, right? But I mean, uh, we're not. If we're talking about <laughs> athletics, like. It's just no a confusing question. It's it's a funny question. Just a confusing question. Uh, I guess. Might, I mean, 
is he saying just Rob Williams does nothing for the Celtics? Like he adds no benefit. Is this like I don't know. Is he just a I, Rob Williams hater? I'm we might have to bring on Danny next week for three minutes just to explain just to explain question. himself. Yeah. I'd love an update we, we might, as to what he meant. Because I don't I think that's what he means, but I'd like I mean Rob Williams isn't that bad. Like he's a pretty good player. Well, I that's the thing. Rob Will's been great. So I don't I don't know if it's hate, but maybe it's he respects Rob Will so much, just like Stephen Hawking. I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't yeah, know. that he loves prime Stephen Hawking when he was running the show in the science world. I don't know. And that's the thing. We still, we have no idea what this means. So we're just going to have to rock with it and move on, Pat. We'll and, figure it out, right? And here's the thing, Pat, as you know, we got to get, we got to get our little message up here because we got to get a little ad from book thinkers in before we get on to what we've learned. So you guys already know, but if you listen, read, check out any personal development books, you have to check out book thinkers. This is a company that's dedicated every single day to helping you fulfill more through books, whether it's through their Instagram, their podcast, their other social channels. This team over at book thinkers is wanting you to discover new books and mentors every single day to help you achieve more and live better. So as you guys know, the right book can absolutely change your life, can change your passions, can change everything going on for you. So please head on over to Instagram, type in book thinkers, or go to bookthinkers.com to check out what this team is doing. Fantastic team over there. I really enjoy being part of it and following it. So please check out Book Thinkers. But now, Pat, we got to get on to what we've learned. Pat, you want to start us off with what uh, you've been thinking about this week? Yep. And mine, I alluded to earlier, but I'm actually going to take it a step further and just kind of talk about the whole division. So with the Bills and Dolphins running the AFC East for the next you know five to ten years. I think that in general, the AFC East is going to – it could be the best division in football for the next five to 10 years mm. because the Patriots, I, I don't think the Patriots are ever going anywhere. I think at this point, they've just had so much success. They're going to be a team that consistently brings in guys. You look at what they did this season, last season, obviously they had a down year, but even on a down year, it wasn't that bad of a season. Like if Cam Newton had played just a little better, that's a winning team. I mean, would they finish seven and nine? Yeah. I think Cam plays better. That's easily a nine and seven season, which with a new ruling might be 10 and seven which I'm going to hate again. But yeah, if the Patriots are staying consistent, like I think they will, I, I do believe they will. Uh, if the Jets get it together and actually just stop being the Jets and they figure <laughs> it out, add more weapons, which I do think the Jets improve this offseason and we'll see what they do with the draft. Uh, I think they're going to get a good draft pick as well. If they can keep adding pieces, keep improving, they'll at least be a 500 team. And I think in general, the AFCs could be, the best division in football for the next five to 10 years. And right now I think it's the AFC North, but I think uh, it, it will continue to get better. And I think the AFC East will overtake that. Especially if Josh Allen stays on that trajectory that he's on, man, that is some scary stuff. And that's the thing, like everything's there. trajectory, right? Like it's got to stay how it's heading. But mm -hmm. I think with the way we are heading, I do think the AFC East could be that good. There's a great base there. That's for sure, man. I can't argue. And Pat, what I learned this week, man, the new scary sight in the NBA is Zion playing point forward. Stan Van Gundy finally let him start controlling the ball, running the ball, man. His last three games, 38, 39, 28, win, win, win. Balling out, seven and a half rebounds a game, couple assists. This dude is a wrecking ball. This dude played point guard in high school before his growth spurt. He has guard skills. He can really pass. Fun watch him as lefty. And – 
I've talked about it before, the bounceability. I don't know if it's a word, but that is the only thing I think of with Zion, the bounceability, the ability to get a rebound, go up, down, up, down before everyone else even jumps. Dude is lightning quick. If you have 6'7", 280 running at you downhill, it's like if LeBron was an extra 30 pounds. That is what's driving down the lane at you. That is scary, man. And I'm excited that this is what they're running the team as. And hopefully they can just put some shooters around him because that's all they're going to need. You know, him, Brandon Ingram, Steven Adams, and two shooters on the court. That can be a very, very, very good team. Looking forward to seeing what the Pelicans can put together there. That's for sure. Yeah, Zion's a scary proposition, man. I'll, I'll be the first to admit I had my doubts just coming into the league with like his weight and staying healthy and everything like that. But he's he's been unbelievable, especially as of recent. This is his recent play. He's he's going to be a problem. Without a doubt, Pat. And hey, that's it, Pat. We just wrapped up episode number fourteen. Feels good. Getting a little stretch in here to. Uh, yeah, what an episode. Another good one, man. And we say it every week, but we thank you guys for every single listen, every single like, subscribe, comment, man. We got more comments on Instagram this week than we ever have. So please go check out all the socials. Please follow them, give reviews, DM us, man, email us, give us questions, whatever it is. We really appreciate everyone listening and tuning in. And hopefully you guys enjoyed another fun episode. Pat, how we feeling, man? How we feeling? Episode 14 in the books. We feeling good? Yeah, thank you guys. Uh, thank you for listening so much. Keep sending in listener questions. We love doing it. We love doing it every week. It's it's a fun new segment to do, especially when you get those different types of questions. But it's a good mix. I, I love it. I love that you guys listen. I love that you keep listening, keep watching us on YouTube. Uh, thank you so much for everything. And we'll catch you next week. You are listening to Right Off the Bus.